with that uh, you would guide us as, as to how we disperse these monies, that we would help spread your word and, and enlarge the kingdom around the world and around the corner. Father, we thank you so much for the way that you're involved in our lives and for the way that you provide all that we need and so much more. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First, I want to say thank you to our church family. I also want to say uh, at this time, uh, uh, Kids Church is going to get started. So uh, kids uh, four years old through fourth grade, if you want to head to uh, the hallway and out to... uh, uh, kids church you can follow some of the adults out of here connie's heading that way some of them are going that way and so uh adults there are people at the door guarding you do have to stay for the sermon you know it's just the way that works all right hey listen um <clears throat> so uh, i want to say thank you to the church family for allowing my wife and i uh, last weekend we were uh, thanksgiving weekend we uh, hung out with uh, her folks out in California, and it was kind of interesting when we arrived out there at her um, parents' house in California, um, uh, due to some circumstances there, they had no hot water and no heat in their house. Um, the uh, neighbors needed to do some work on their gas line, and so they turned off the gas, and then after the work was done, they turned the gas back on in the area, but before it could be turned back on at her folks' house, they had to do a pressure test on the uh, the gas system in the house there and discovered that there was a small leak of gas somewhere in the house, potentially under the foundation of the home. And for some reason, they don't want the gas turned back on if there's a small leak somewhere in the house. And uh, so... Now, for the first uh, few days there, um, they didn't have any... Uh, now, fortunately, my wife and I were staying at a hotel, and so we just kind of went like this towards them, and we're out of there. But uh, anyway, we, uh, but uh, they didn't have any hot water or any, uh, or any uh, heat at their house, and it was getting kind of chilly in there. Uh, until uh, finally on Friday, the uh, company came and the plumbers that they had hired and ran new gas lines to the furnace and all that kind of stuff. But uh, apparently uh, PG&E out there, the gas company, uh, they don't want uh, gas sort of building up slowly under the foundation of your home uh, because that could end with a big explosion. Apparently, they don't want to be sued for something they don't like that. So anyway, but uh, we made it back and uh, we are here. And uh, so this morning we are concluding, concluding, and uh, no standing and giving an applause there, but we are concluding a series that we started uh, several weeks ago called Be Like Jesus. And we started this thing off talking about a, a copy machine. Uh, make me a copy. Will you make me a copy, right? You ever go to somebody and say, will you make me a copy? And uh, ultimately, the church is supposed to be like a copy machine. We come in a blank sheet of paper, and then we are exposed to the bright light, and uh, we leave here it being imprinted by uh, the Holy Spirit that we become more like Jesus. So we want to be like Jesus. We talked about Jesus' baptism several weeks ago and that uh, what the implications are for our baptism. And that was kind of the impetus about uh, what happened with, with Ashley in, uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago. And then again today with Corey. And we talked uh, just after Jesus was baptized, he was tempted. And, and Jesus was tempted and we're going to be tempted. And uh, Jesus suffered and uh, we're going to be suffered. And Jesus died, we're going to die. But his death, the implications of that is uh, Jesus was showing how much he loves us. Jesus raised from the dead, and he has the power to overcome all things in our life. And this morning, we're going to talk about the ministry, the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to talk about the ministry of Jesus. We want to make, make ourselves a copy. We want to be like Jesus in his 
ministry. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, a lot going on and uh, a lot of distractions. Uh, So Father, we uh, ultimately we ask that you would help us this morning uh, to uh, remember only what you want us to remember and then apply that to our lives. So we ask that you would teach us and we ask in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's workmanship. We are his workmanship. The word workmanship that's uh, there in your Bible uh, is uh, actually the Greek word poema, poema. And that's where we get the English word poem, poem. For we are God's poem. We are his poem. What's that mean? Well, if you uh, read uh, poi, uh, poetry, and you know, and who doesn't? Um, and so if you, and if you read poetry or you remember those, uh, you know, rosa, red, violets, or whatever, uh, you know how poetry works. You know how it works, right? Uh, there's kind of sometimes it feels like it's going off someplace, but then it kind of hooks back around. And, and then when it's all said and done, it, it makes sense and it rhymes and it comes together and it looks like it's been woven together in a very special way. Well, when uh, Paul was writing uh, to Ephesus and he says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do these good works. Uh, We are a part of God's plan. Uh, when, uh, when we accept Christ as Savior, we are to go and do the things that He wants us to do. And sometimes that might feel awkward or seem a little bit awkward, but ultimately God is weaving and putting all of these things together because He knows what He's doing. And so we are to be a part of the work of what He wants us to do. For we are God's workmanship and that we are created in Christ Jesus uh, to do the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is your ministry. We have a ministry of doing the works that God wants us to do. You have a ministry. Now listen, Jesus had a ministry. Jesus had a ministry, and uh, his ministry, uh, he sort of explains to us in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 12. Listen to this. It says, this is Jesus speaking. I can tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Now, we have a ministry. Jesus had a, Jesus had a ministry. And then Jesus says this to us about his ministry. If you've been paying attention to me, if you've been watching what I have been doing, and you love me, then you too are going to do what I've been doing because it fits into this scheme that God has to work things all out for us that we would be attached to and a part of his ministry. And then listen to this. Um, Jesus was, uh, he would go into the synagogue. And uh, he would he would teach people, and he would go in, and he would sit down, they'd hand him scroll, and and uh, and he would begin to to read uh, maybe from the book of Isaiah. And on one occasion, Jesus goes in and he begins to read uh, from the book of Isaiah, and uh, and this is what he reads to the to everyone that was listening. Uh, Luke records it, Luke chapter four, verse eighteen and nineteen. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Now, here's Jesus reading something that had been written 700 years earlier to the audience that was in the synagogue. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to, to do what? To do what? He's in there. He's reading this to them. And he's saying, God, my father, has anointed me 
And, you know, they're probably looking at him going, oh, who, who do you think you are? Well, we know who he is. We've covered those things. He is Jesus. The, he became our resurrected leader. And then so what was he reading when he reads, to do, to do, to, to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoner and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's Savior. This is what Jesus came to do. That is his ministry. When he did those things, we are to see those things and go, if I want to be more like Jesus, if I'm going to be a copy of Jesus, I then must do what he did. And that's what God wants me to do in order to kind of fit all of these things together. And sometimes I feel like I'm, I might be helping this guy or this gal. And, you know, how does that fit into the bigger thing? But God is weaving all of that together. And we are to do the ministry that Jesus did. And that is the ministry that Jesus did. So if you have a pen, you have a pencil, open up your bulletin, and that becomes the outline for today's sermon. That becomes the outline for today. Jesus had a ministry, and this is what we are to do. So write this down in your bulletin. Are you ready? Jesus came to preach good news to the poor. We just read that. Jesus came to preach good news to the poor. So if I'm going to be like Jesus, guess what I need to do? I need to tell people that are poor about Jesus. That's what I need to do. Uh, Jesus came to preach good news to the poor. Question. Who are the poor? Who are the poor? I want you to think about that a little bit. Uh, I'm going to present to you that uh, there are actually three forms of poverty. There's three different kinds of poverty. And the first kind of poverty is the one that, when you think of poverty, is probably the first one that your mind jumps to, and that is financial poverty, right? Financial poverty. Uh, Did you know that uh, two-thirds of the global population, so what is there, seven billion, I don't know, seven and a half billion, eight billion people, so what's two-thirds, what's two-thirds of eight billion people, I I don't know, six billion, five point something billion, There's there's a lot of people, right? Did you know that two-thirds of the world's population live on less than $2 a day? And so you can think about, you know, scenes of Africa or maybe India or maybe of Haiti or something like that. And you can begin to picture and imagine what it would look like to live on less than $2 a day. That's financial poverty. Over one billion people in the world today live on less than one dollar a day. That's financial poverty. Jesus came to preach good news to the poor. And that's why our church tries to help the financially poor. There's a box back there all the time that says uh, Eurykma on it, and that stands for the Upper Rock Island uh, County uh, Ministerial uh, Association. And uh, there's a box there, and we ask that people would put food in that because that food then goes to a food pantry, and the financially poor are able to access that at no cost in order uh, that they might have needs met. Our church gives regularly to Eurykma, which has a bank account that exists for the sole purpose of helping people 
people pay their utilities or their rent or a car breaks down or whatever the case may be, that we would be involved in the work of helping the financially poor. Maybe you were here uh, back in uh, the beginning of October, and you know that um, uh, even a couple of years ago, because of the pandemic, the church uh, funded about $7,000 worth of food preparation, and we packed meals here at the church. And well, I don't remember the exact number, 40,000, 40,000, 43,000 meals were packed that would be uh, given to uh, IDES that would be distributed in, in places or emergency situations. And some of those, uh, we believe, made their way uh, down to Haiti after the earthquake and things like that. And, and, and so that's why the church is involved. We want to be a part of the ministry of helping the poor. And we know that there are, in fact, financially poor people, but that's just one of the three. We also know that there are morally poor. There's moral poverty, moral poverty in the world. Jesus came to preach good news to the poor, and there are those that are uh, the, the morally impoverished, impoverished, right? It is a, a lack of integrity when there is no moral direction, when you only want to do what feels good to you, that is moral poverty. When you're selfish, that's moral poverty. And we see moral poverty being played out in our world today. Uh, When a gang of people assemble themselves to go into a shopping center to bust out the windows and crash open uh, the cases and take whatever they want and then run down the street as if they were somehow entitled to that, we know that those are a morally impoverished people. They have no morals. That's why it is important for people to teach their children to listen to and respect authority. I've told you before, I drive a school bus, and I've had, I've had preschoolers look right up at me and point their finger at me and say, you're not the boss of me. And, um, and uh, in the days before there were video cameras on the bus, we handled that a little different. But now in the day of the, uh, the video, uh, we were much more gentle and kind back then. And, uh, but now there's cameras. Now there's cameras, and so we got to make sure that we... And so, uh, but uh, but here's, the, here's the truth. Here's the truth. We laugh about that. We, we think, oh, that's really funny. But here's the problem, is that too often we let young children... Look at adults and parents. Uh, please do not allow your elementary, a preschool, elementary, don't, don't ever let your elementary age child look you in the eye and say no. No. Don't ever let them look you and say no. You carry with you the expectation that you are going to have morally high ground and that you as the parent Uh, The Bible says that we are to honor our mother and our father and that you are the parent and don't let them say no to you. If they say no to you, you say, "Mm, you don't get to say that. You get to say, yes, mom. Yes, dad, because the instructions that I am putting on you are for what is, that's what is best for you. And so there is morally impoverished people. And so teach your kids that there is moral poverty and you don't want to be morally poor, but there's another kind of poverty that even There's financially poor, and there is morally poor, but there is also spiritually poor. When you don't know that God made you and loves you 
and wants to lead your life. If you don't know that, you're spiritually poor because God wants you to know that he loves you. Question, what is the good news of the gospel? Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. What is the good news? What is the good news? Here's the good news. You are not an accident. God made you and he loves you. And he sent his son to this world to be baptized, to be tempted, and to suffer, and to die, to raise again, that we can put our faith in him, that we can be with God for all of eternity, forever and ever and ever, and escape the penalty of our sin and avoid hell because Jesus loves us. The good news is God sent his son because he loves us, and we are to preach the good news to the financially poor, to the morally poor, and to the spiritually poor so that they will know the good news. Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. And write this down. Jesus came to proclaim freedom for prisoners. Freedom for prisoners. Now, I don't know who you hang out with, but uh, I personally don't know. uh, Frankly, I don't think I know anyone anymore. I don't know anyone anymore who is in prison. I don't know anyone that is in prison. Maybe you know people that are in prison. But Jesus came to proclaim freedom for prisoners. But have you ever heard a statement like this? I feel trapped. I feel trapped. Maybe in a relationship. Maybe in a job. Maybe you feel trapped in a habit or poor health. feel trapped in secrets or guilt. Do you feel imprisoned by your past or your circumstances or problems? Ever heard anybody talk in those terms that they feel imprisoned or trapped? Listen, Jesus came to set free the brokenhearted and the hurting, both the mentally hurting and the physically hurting. If you feel that they're lonely or they are resentful, here's the truth. Everybody has a hurt. Everybody is trapped by something. Everybody, if we sit down and talk to anyone and we get to know them well and they are genuinely a friend and we begin to dig around and expose our heart, there are wounds there and they hurt us. And Jesus came to set the prisoner free. And that's why John 10.10 says, and Jesus tells us, that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. The thief comes to distract and to kill and to steal and to destroy. But Jesus came. Why did he come? I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. 1 John chapter 4, 15 says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Do you have the freedom of God's forgiveness inside of you? Jesus came to set the captives free. Question, is it possible that God has freed you from something And now it is your turn to help set someone else free. 
Sometimes we go through life and we experience very difficult things. Maybe you've experienced difficult things in your workplace or you've got a family that challenges you in so many ways and it's broken and it's difficult. Maybe you've been through some kind of an illness or an ailment or a cancer and you have, by the grace of God, been able to push through those things and now you have been through those things. So now you are equipped in a way that maybe someone else is not equipped and maybe, maybe you're the one that can help that person who is feeling entrapped and imprisoned. Think about that. God came to preach the good news to the poor. Do you know anyone who is physically or morally or spiritually poor that maybe you could go and do the work in the ministry of Jesus and you could communicate to them? Could you write their name down? Do you know anyone Do you know anyone? There's a line right there in their bulletin. Do you know anyone that feels trapped and imprisoned and you see them struggling and wrestling with trying to get through and push through something that is very difficult in their life? Do you know that person? And maybe you've been through something hard and you have been equipped to get through that. Could you write their name down and enter into and engage in the work and the ministry that Jesus did so that you can partner with him to bring this poem together so that God's work can be done? Can you do that? Listen, Jesus came to set free the brokenhearted and the hurting, uh, both mentally and physically. He wants them to know him that they might be made better. Write this down. Jesus came, Jesus came for recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus came for recovery of sight to the blind. This should come as no surprise. Um, I don't say this lightly, I say this truthfully. Um, Jesus could heal the blind. It's recorded. Jesus could make the blind see. I can't do that. Jesus could do that. Jesus uh, could use people that were once physically blind, and he could make them see, and he could use that to advance his kingdom, I can't make someone that is uh, blind uh, to see, um, and uh, I, I can't do it. But here's, here's what I can do. What I can do is I can give spiritual insight to people who are maybe in a foggy place or a dark place, maybe a dark place spiritually. I, I, can, I can give them spiritual insight or maybe better understanding of how to move through or navigate at some kind of a dark place. Uh, there are times uh, that I see uh, when something is headed in a wrong direction. Have you ever uh, seen people that maybe they've been around church for a while and all of a sudden they're not at church as much anymore and then you learn of maybe who they're hanging out with or uh, what kind of uh, activities that they're involved with and you, and you can just kind of see them as they begin uh, to drift away and it's almost like they've put a blinders on to God and they begin to look at something out there that so they want to be more fulfilling or rewarding in their life but they, we know it's not and so they just move closer and closer and we have the ability to give spiritual insight to pull alongside them and to come alongside them and say hey I'd really like to help you in that we have to be willing to do that they have to be willing to hear that Uh, in my years in ministry there were times that I've literally 
um, uh, called people into my office and just kind of said, hey, I want to talk with you because um, I think that uh, your relationship that, uh, with your wife is uh, kind of dark because what I see that's going on is uh, kind of beyond all pale and, and we need to talk about this. And sometimes people, have, uh, they have contacted me and say, hey, you know, I'm involved with an affair and I want this to be over and can we talk through it? And I've worked with people on those things. People have contacted me and say I'm struggling with an addiction and they've come into my office and we've uh, talked through those kinds of things. People reached out to me. I have went to other people and I said, hey, but uh, what what it requires is this idea uh, that we're going to work together and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be uh, hard. And and several years ago, I had uh, some skin cancer removed from uh, from my nose and and so that's what happened. (laughs) So if you're looking at me here, but uh, and and, and, you know, you got to cut out, got to cut that out, got to cut that out because if you don't, it Jesus came for recovery of sight to the blind, and there are people that wander into dark places. And it's kind of like they've got this small, natural gas leak under their foundation, and it's seeping out, it's building up, and they don't even know. And they need somebody to come that knows and tell them, if you don't deal with this, it's going to explode. Can you be that kind of friend to someone? Do you need to seek help? Do you need to reach out and say, I am going through something that is hard. It's challenging my faith. I find myself moving farther away from God. Do you need to reach out for help? Do you know someone that is moving farther away from God and you need to reach out to them? Can you put their name down and say, I want to be involved in the ministry that Jesus would have me do? Could you Write that name down. Jesus came to recover sight for the blind. Write this down. Jesus came to release the oppressed. God wants us to care about people who are bullied. The odd man out. The odd duck. Sometimes those people are around us in our workplace um, and I'm not talking about Laura. She's the only person that's in my workplace with me, and so I'm not talking about I'm not talking about her. But um, uh, but sometimes in a, in a workplace, maybe you work someplace, and you know who the odd duck is. You know the one that people want to tiptoe around, and maybe they they whisper around about that person behind their back, or sometimes maybe in the school setting, maybe you, you remember who those kids were that got picked on and. Jesus wants us to be the kind of person that goes to the hurting person, the oppressed person, and be close to them and be their friend and help, help be a shield in between maybe some of their oddities and the way the world would see them and that you would be the one that would be willing to take some shots because you're willing to protect. Do you know somebody like that? That's the kind of person that Jesus wants us to be that we would write a name down like that and we would make a commitment that I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a copy of Jesus, that I would be a part of the kind of ministry that Jesus did and that I would do that. In conclusion, Jesus came to tell us he is returning. We are to tell other people. We are to tell others to be ready for Jesus. 
It's better to know in advance that Jesus is coming than it is to find out too late, and that's our job. We're to be like Jesus. We're to be baptized into Christ to make him our Savior and understand that suffering is a part of being a Christian. Uh, We know that suffering and difficult things are going to happen, but Jesus has shown us how to get through life through those things. He gives us a ministry. He gives us responsibilities. He says there are people that we need to reach out to and invest our life into their life and to go and do life alongside them so that we can be better. The Old Testament says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We are to pull together and help each other be like Jesus and to reach out to the people that are outside of the church and draw them so that they too can be a copy of Jesus. Last question. Do you know Jesus? Is Jesus Christ your King and your God and your Lord? Have you ever been baptized into Christ? Just like Corey was this morning. Have you ever been baptized into Christ? If you want to know how to be a follower of Jesus, step one, be baptized into Christ. Give your life to Him. Be lowered down into the waters and let the old life be covered up and be raised again to be a brand new person that now lives for Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And if you do know Jesus, are you involved in the ministry of Jesus? Helping others know Jesus. Listen, God's working on your heart. That's what he does. Will you respond to the way he is working on you? Let's pray. Father, help us to be more like Jesus. Father, we know that we will never obtain it, but you look to us and you anticipate that we will be taking steps towards you as you run to embrace us. We need your help. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and amen.